Um, that was a great game. Um, spaghetti and Cheerios. Um, we were just laughing about the fact that it's like spaghetti hoops, um, but with chocolate flavour instead of tomato. Um, obviously. Um, but last week, um, if you're here, we um, heard from Philip Fell, who came and spoke to us about the Holy Spirit and about how it was there right at the beginning. In Genesis 1.1, it says that the Spirit was hovering over the waters. Or in other words, the Spirit was brooding over creation. If you haven't heard, um, go and check it out on YouTube or on Spotify, because it was, it was brilliant. But to be so fair to say that the Holy Spirit has been around for a little while. Um, it's been around um, for a very long time. It's not a new thing. It's not something that came about when Pentecostals and Charismatics started praying in the 20th century. Um, it's not something that came around when the disciples were in the upper room at Pentecost and fire rested on their heads. Um, it's not, it didn't come about when Jesus was baptized and a dove descended from heaven and God said, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit was around way before all of that. The Holy Spirit has been around since the very beginning. Or more accurately, the Holy Spirit has been around since before the beginning. It was there before anything else happened. There was never a moment in all of history where the Holy Spirit has not been here. It's always been. So where has the Holy Spirit been? What does it do? Or more accurately, what does he do? Because the Holy Spirit isn't just a ghost that floats around that we don't get to know, but just we, we see the kind of impact of. Um, but it's a person that we can know. It's a person that we can talk to, that we can hear from, that we can listen to. And ultimately, we can invite to live within us and fill us and move amongst us. Those are things that we'll all talk about in the next few weeks. So come back because we're going to continue to talk about the Holy Spirit in the coming weeks. And those things, what, what, what it means for God to fill us, what it means um, for the Holy Spirit to be amongst us, are all things that we're going to be talking about more in the next few weeks. So come back. We'd love to see you again at church to hear more. But for beginning with, to begin with, I'm going to talk about Candy Crush. Right? Who plays Candy Crush? Anyone play Candy Crush? A few of you play Candy Crush? Sometimes you play Candy Crush. Okay, I play Candy Crush a lot. I'm on level 757, so I've played a lot. And if you've ever played Candy Crush, you know it's actually quite hard to get through the levels because quite, there's quite difficult things. And the most annoying thing about Candy Crush is you only get five lives. So if you fail to complete a level five times... Um, Tim's just like pretending to give me violins though, down there. Um, if you could fail to complete a level five times, you run out of lives and you have to wait 20 minutes for them to like reload so that you can play again. So frustrating when you get to the end of a level, haven't completed it after five attempts and then have to wait for 20 minutes to do it again. Like that's, that's, that's sad. And now the longest 20 minutes of my entire life. What was that? <laughs> Oh, yeah, thank you. I, yeah, that would be amazing. But um, the thing about Candy Crush, if you've ever played, is that the way it works is you've got to match three candies in a row. So you've got to get them so they all line up, and then once you line them up, they, like, explode and then kind of destroy bits around them. And then if you get four in a row, there's a special candy that, like, goes across the whole board, 
And then if you get five in a row, there's one that explodes and goes all across the whole, the whole thing, um, which is amazing, which is like you want the five in a row because they're like amazing. But the thing about it is that the way to complete a level is you have to get a certain number of candies destroyed in a certain number of moves. So you've got a limited number of moves. You've got to get a certain number. So imagine you've got 20 moves to get rid of 50 jellies. Right? Sounds like quite a lot. But you can get rid of quite a few quite quickly, quite early on, because there's some really special, kind of those special ones are good, and they get rid of lots really quickly. But when you get to the end, and you've got maybe one or two moves to go, and five or six candies left, this is when it becomes stressful, right? Really stressful. I'll be agonizing for a minute, two minutes over whether to move that one or that one, which one's more effective, which one's going to help me win this level better. But ultimately, you get to the last move, and sometimes you have three or four to get, right? And that's now becoming quite impossible unless you get lucky, unless the right candy comes along at exactly the right place, exactly the right time, and like does wonders, does a like dream move. You couldn't imagine it. You couldn't couldn't write it. It happens, and oh, it's, it's the best feeling in the world. Honestly, when when one comes along just at the perfect moment and finishes the level, and like I jump up and down, ask my housemate Josh, and I jump up and down and cheer when I finish a level on the last go, when there's no way that it should have happened apart from me getting really lucky. It comes along at the right place, at the right time, and helps in the best way possible. It's interesting, though, that things come along and they seem to be at exactly the right time, in exactly the right place, and they do great things when that happens. You might have heard stories of people being in restaurants and them choking on food and someone comes along and just helps them because they are an expert at that. There's a story of someone called Dorothy Fletcher who had a heart attack on a flight to Orlando. When the attendant asked if there were any doctors on board, 15 cardiologists stood up. They were on their way to a conference about hearts. And I think it's needless to say that she survived that situation. They were in the right place at the right time to do something important. Sometimes in life we just end up in the right place at the right time. It's almost like it was supposed to happen. So this is where we kind of begin. Things happening at the right place, at the right time for a specific purpose. The Holy Spirit coming on the scene at exactly the right place, at exactly the right time for a specific reason. So we're going to talk about um, the Old Testament, the bit before Jesus, the bit before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, And so we're going to go right back to the beginning. As I spoke about before, Philip talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit was there right at the beginning, hovering over the waters, brooding over creation. He was there right at the beginning. But then creation happened. God created things. The Holy Spirit was involved in everything that happened. God is at work through the Holy Spirit in the lives of his people in Adam and Eve, in Noah, in Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. God is moving. But we're going to pick up the story in Exodus 31. 
Here we have a guy called Moses. He's the leader of the Israelites. And they've just escaped from Egypt where they were in slavery. They're on their way to a place called the Promised Land, which is a place where there is great things for them. But they haven't arrived yet, and so they're walking around in the desert. At this point, God says to Moses, I need you to build a tent where we can meet and where you can worship me. Tents seem quite significant throughout the Bible, um, and I think it's quite, um, it's quite funny that we are in a tent now for that reason as well. But God gives Moses instructions, how to build it, what to put where, what needs to be done in order to finish this project. And then we read in Exodus 31, 1 to 7, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Olihab of Ahishmak of the tribe of Dan to help him. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant law with the atonement cover on it and all other furnishings of the tent. God fills Bezalel, son of Uri, with his spirit, not to preach the gospel or perform wild miracles, but to make something beautiful to make artistic designs, to make something wonderful to look at. It's simple and straightforward. Make something beautiful. And God fills the person who is tasked with this, with his spirit. This is one of the first times that we hear the Holy Spirit come and fill someone directly. And as, we go on to, as we'll go on to see, the, the Old Testament It's always for a specific purpose. There is a reason for it every time. Here it's to make beautiful things for the tent of meeting. But every single time it gives glory to God. Similarly, in Isaiah chapter 61, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, And release from darkness for the prisoners. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Again, a specific indwelling of the Holy Spirit for a specific purpose. To bring glory to God. Bringing justice, freedom to the oppressed. And also shaping the world into something beautiful. Out of ashes, bringing out something that is good. God filling a specific person for a specific purpose at a specific time that will bring him glory. And in Samson, if you've heard of Samson, in Judges 3, the spirit of the Lord came upon him and the Lord delivered, and this is the name of a king which I can't say, Kushan Rishatham, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. So God delivered this king into Samson's hand. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him for a specific time to fulfill a specific purpose, which brought God 
glory. The interesting thing about Samson is that his strength was related to his hair. He was consecrated as a child, which meant that he, his parents made promises before God and said, this is the child that we want to give to you. And part of that, we're going to not cut his hair. Part of this, yeah, so part of this consecration was that his hair would never be cut. As he got older, his hair grew longer and longer, and he got stronger and stronger. I don't know whether they rhyme on purpose. But as a result of his strength, he won many battles and was victorious in many things. He's even known to have ripped a lion in two with his hands. Like That's pretty strong. But then he was tricked, and secretly while he was asleep, his hair was cut without him knowing about it. And so he lost all his strength. He was then captured and tied up. And his captors removed his eyes, which is quite gruesome, but they did it so that they didn't have, he didn't have power over them because he couldn't see where they were. So before I continue, I just want to, um, anyone notice that Aaron's no longer able to pick up chairs anymore um, because, of his, uh, because of his nice haircut that he's had? Um, I don't know what that's about. Um, but anyway, moving on. Just moving on. But anyway, Samson is tied up um, and his hair begins to grow back. His strength begins to return. He's asked to perform for his captives while they were all in a building together. He prays and says, God, give me strength. The Holy Spirit fills him and there he pushes two pillars apart and the building collapses, killing every, all of his enemies and bringing victory to the people of God and ultimately bringing glory to God specific people at specific times for a specific purpose to bring God glory in other instances the spirit gives instructions for individual people like David and gave his son Solomon the plans for the temple that the spirit had put on David's mind Joshua was filled with the Spirit and commissioned to lead Israel after Moses' death. Othniel was empowered by the Spirit to judge God's people and lead them in war. The Old Testament is full of stories like this, where the Holy Spirit fills a specific person for a specific purpose at a specific time to bring glory to God. This pattern repeats. Contextually important situations changing from person to person, situation to situation, always relevant to what is going on at the time. But ultimately, this is how the Holy Spirit is moving in the world of the Old Testament. This is before Jesus, before the Gospels, before Jesus died on a cross for us, before we were given complete and free access to God. This is different from where we are today. We have the opportunity to be filled by the Holy Spirit the moment we accept Jesus into our lives. The the Holy Spirit doesn't just come for a specific time, for a specific reason, for us to fulfill a certain task. But it stays with us forever. The Holy Spirit who enabled Bezalel to make beautiful things and Isaiah to prophesy and Samson to save his people is the same Holy Spirit that is on offer to us. This is the invitation that Jesus gives 
not only that we can have life and life to the full, but that he will come and live through his Holy Spirit in our hearts forever. This is what he promises. This is what is on offer. Not just for a time or a purpose or even a big life event, but forever. So as I invite the band to come up, I just want to say, this is not about receiving a gift so that you can do a certain thing. It's not about receiving a gift in order to fulfill a certain purpose. It's also not just reserved for certain people. But it's open for us all. You're invited. The Holy Spirit is for you as well. It's not about just important people for specific tasks or important tasks. But it's about you every day. The Holy Spirit goes from being right place, right time to every place, every time. When we invite Jesus into our lives, when we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, he's there the whole time. Not just in the difficult things, and not just in the big moments. So we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come. And we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come in each of our lives not just for the big things that we're going through right now. Not just to come and move in the big situations that are happening or the questions that we have. But come and live within us every single day. It's not a temporary thing. And it's not reserved for special people. It's a gift for you. You're invited. You get to play we're going to continue to think about these things in the coming weeks but I want to finish today by just inviting you do you want to play this is for you so if you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit for the first time or again um, maybe just put your hands out like you're about to receive a gift like you're going to receive something from someone because that's what it is that's what the Holy Spirit is a gift so Holy Spirit we come and we open our hands we thank you for your gift and we thank you that it's for each and every one of us it's not about a specific person in a specific place doing a specific thing but it's for each and every one of us every single day come Holy Spirit come and fill us come and move in us